Welcome to Big Men, Big Theology. My name is Jordan. I'm Cody. I'm Trey. We got our good friend Garrett Miller back with us. Intern extraordinaire. Roll Tide. Summer intern extraordinaire. Roll Tide. <laughs> Cody, glad you're back. Yes. What's been going on, man? Uh, so I am no longer an intern. I am slinging away at Publix grocery stores. There it is. I love it. Yep. I love Publix. Uh, selling groceries for the glory of God. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing. Wonderful company. I love it. I will gladly pay more money to shop at a Publix just for the experience. They they tend to be a little bit higher price. Yeah. P- Publix really is the Chick-fil-A of grocery stores. <laughs> they are. Like the yeah, the service they like require us to give like in training and all of that. My managers are purposely looking out for us to be as cordial and as hospitable to our customers as possible. Um, and I love that. I appreciate that. And um, I'm looking forward to, Lord willing, the job will just grow my social skills. <laughs> hopefully make me hopefully make me a better pastor. That's the way I'm thinking about it. Oh, is, my goodness. Because Cody that. is definitely not an, in, or an, an extrovert. Extra- I'm not an extrovert. Let, let, I'm not, but I'm not an introvert either. But, like, I, I hope the job, just, like, being literally, like, facing people for eight hours a day will that's a good way to look at it let me tell you about a story about cody when uh i first met him so cody uh was the guy that would show up to parties and not say a word yeah to anybody or anything he would always be present and then we'd look up five minutes later and he'd be gone he'd never say bye and we're like where's cody this happened at every time, every time there was an event. Let's qualify this. These were these were seminary parties, right? That's true, seminary yes, parties. These are not like your normal college. Go I crazy also assumed I just party. I assumed I wasn't wanted because like nobody <laughs> like I to be fair I wouldn't talk, but at the same time nobody was talking to me, so I felt like I could leave, my not job say anything, and that nobody would care. Oh my god, and, I feel so bad now for all those but, times. I mean, I didn't care. It didn't hurt my feelings. I just came and go as I please. I'm sure Jordan was the life of the party. But, no, never. Uh, I've never been the life of the party. I'm very thankful that the Lord has saw fit to change that in me. So, very grateful for that. So, we are talking about this this day, what biblical manhood is. What That's is right. manhood? So, when you hear that, what do you what do you, what what immediately comes to your mind? It's always toxic. <laughs> And Trey is in sin for the skinny jeans that he's wearing. Right I am now. not wearing skinny jeans. <laughs> Trey, I am is, a big Trey man. we'll we'll put them on Facebook. If he's I, wearing skinny jeans, and I am right not now. wearing skinny jeans. I am wearing shorts. And if no, y'all, I would, if y'all, I would, I would if you ever see me, if you oh my gosh, if, if <laughs> I had to put on skinny jeans, I would need some form of butter to to, 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 to <laughs> slip me into them because there's no way I'm getting into those things normally. And so, and if you ever catch me in skinny jeans. Uh, I, per- I I give you all the permission in the world to call David Miller, and uh, oh, stop it. If, if you know who that is, uh, so to rebuke me. So biblical manhood, what? Do, so as as a whole, what do you think of biblically? Not just skinny jeans and not skinny jeans, beard, not a beard. Uh, what do you think of when you think of a biblical man? I think of Jesus. Okay. Which, I mean, that's the easiest answer in the world. The end. End of podcast. 
All right, we'll see you later. Yeah. The, uh, but no, I mean, like, look at Jesus' example. He was stern when he needed to be stern. He was, he was calm and patient when that time called for it. He was loving when he was supposed to. Um, and so Jesus, if you want to add to this, he's more, I mean, he was, he was, he was God in the flesh. So we know he was, he, was, he acted perfectly towards everyone, but he was, uh, uh, he was, his manners were appropriate. And that's, that's I know that sounds super vague, but like you see Jesus acting out when, for instance, when he sees people selling stuff in uh, in the temple, turning the temple into a marketplace, and he is righteously angry about that, and he handles it appropriately. And then when he sees a a woman who is pleading for him, he touches her and heals her. And then when uh, the man comes, his his daughter is dead. He lovingly said, uh, Jairus. Yeah. Jairus. 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 Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's so loving and patient with these people. Um, I, I, but yeah. But I mean, Jesus is always the right answer. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, the reality that you have the discussion of what is biblical manhood assumes that there is a natural distinction between men and women. Yeah. You can't have a conversation about biblical manhood and womanhood. If there is no distinctions, yeah. Right. So is, we can talk about the leadership, yeah. Which is kind of ironic that even like egalitarians try to have this conversation, but theologically they can't because there are no there are no distinctions. Right. And so, as biblical complementarians, we can have this conversation because we believe that God has created men and women distinctly in different. Um, yeah. In, in in function, um, and so even though we are. Right, equal in regards to our essence, we are equally in the image of God. And so, when I think of biblical manhood, I think of those things that particularly right mark us out as men in regards to um, being leaders in the church, in the home, mm-hmm. um, and even in some regards in broader society. But also, um, I think of not just the ways in which we are distinct, but also the ways. Um, in which, like you said, that we are we are to be men are to be the f- the first to be tender and to be caring, um, which flows out of leadership. Like a biblical right. leader is one who cares for his sheep. Right. Yeah. So. So, so what is, what what is, uh, let me try to phrase this. What is not manhood? So I think it's helpful when you say what is and is not manhood yeah. to kind of, in a sense, remove ourselves from the culture that we live in. So it's very easy to take kind of cultural ideas of what is a man and then put that onto the Bible. Hmm. So you bring up like David Miller's comments at the Founders Conference, but that's yeah. a perfect example of taking this cultural view of, well, the kind of pants you wear right. are inherently feminine. Thus, you need to be rebuked if you wear those pants, right? That, right, you're putting a law on Scripture where there is none. Right now, there is a reality that men are to dress like men. Like, that's in the Bible. Right, yeah. Right? But you have to be really careful in um, saying what, in kind of culturally fleshing yeah, we, that out. We live, we live in a culture, it's an interesting conversation, we live in a culture where the the dynamics are so... Uh, pushed together where it's hard to tell yeah like what manhood is and what womanhood is in terms of clothing in terms of the way we look the way we act and so 
I think I think personally, I look at this and we want to be distinct from the the culture that we're in and yeah. the way we, yeah. the way we dress, the way we, um, just just in all aspects of yeah. of, of of our life. Yeah, we don't look like the world says manhood, but we look at particularly what the Bible shows manhood to be. Yeah, and yeah. we and we see examples of that all throughout Scripture. Like we see. You know what, like, like, at the people from from outside the church, they see Levitical law, for instance, and they're like, "Look how crazy it is! How could you ever believe this?" But it's like, yeah, like the Levitical was it. We tend to forget that the Levitical law, one of the reasons that it was put put in place was to separate a a people, even the way they looked and even the way they dressed yeah. and what they ate, you yeah. know, from the rest of the world. And that's how we are supposed to be as Christians. We are to be not to say that we cannot talk or hang mm-hmm. out with 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 people outside of like uh, outside yeah. of the, the confines of our church, but like we are supposed to be distinct. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to say. So when we talk about kind of cultural appropriation, when we talk about manhood. Like we want to be careful. We want to make sure that when we give like laws right or exhortations in regards to even like things like what you wear right. to to a degree we don't want to be creating laws that would have then put Jesus in sin you know so like for instance like back in the day right like men wore dresses right now nowadays men don't well, we wear would dresses. consider to be dresses yeah right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we would not consider to be dresses. dresses they wouldn't call yeah. it that right. right now in our culture right we would, in a to a degree, we would exhort against that because right. that is dr- living as a woman, right? Right. To a, would, depending on what culture you're right. in. Now, the Irish can wear kilts. I was just about to say, like, right? We would ever go to Ireland and say yeah. you can't wear kilts, but yeah. that's completely different. So, right. like, and th- that's where kind of what I was getting to is you have to be aware of what culture are you living in, yeah. and how does even just the culture define, like, you know, like what's appropriate to a degree i think sometimes though our culture and this is getting a little bit off manhood but our culture has so influenced the church the where to to the way we we have not been biblical we've more acclimated to what the culture standards are instead of sure and and pushed away from modesty in the bible pushed away from um the the we we say it was all cultural and we 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 have this it's, not everything in the Bible was cultural. There were principles yeah. there, and we yeah. need to be careful, like yeah, so making distinctions one way or the other, without a doubt. And so we want to we want to take the principles of such as men are to even dress like men, women are to dress like women, right? Right. We're to take that principle, knowing that you can apply that differently in different cultures, okay. right? So we that's where knowing your own culture is helpful, even though, as you said, our culture often defines these things in a way that is unbiblical, right? Um, but like we brought up in Ireland, right? Men can culturally wear kilts, and it's not a problem. And that's not them being unmasculine. Um, and so... Uh, if anything, they're being more masculine than that. So, yeah, probably. <laughs> and so they... That was a big thing. Hard. So like, no, like, like, for instance, like when I used to play rugby, um, that was kind of a thing with a lot of the guys I played rugby with. Like After a match, they would go to their car... And they would take off their rugby shorts and they would throw their kilts on. That's just something that happened. 
Yeah. And so, and like, and I definitely wasn't going to go up to these guys, these big yeah. rugby type rugby guys, and be like, "Hey, man, you're just like a woman." And so, so that's where it's helpful to like knowing the culture you live in, making sure you're not creating laws that scripture does not. So, yeah. there's like a Desiring God article where the guy said that it was effeminate to wear floral shirts, mm. right? Well, if you live in Hawaii, everybody wears floral shirts, and it's not an unmasculine thing, right? Right. So you can't just be heaping condemnation upon different cultures just because that's not the way you in Bible America see masculinity. Another thing uh, that is biblical manhood is the role of leadership. Yes. Um, let's talk about that for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, leadership in the context of the home or the church? Both. Okay. <laughs> so the world. The world. <laughs> Uh, no, oh, that's interesting. I mean, we can get get into that too, but uh, but particularly the home, the church. We see Ephesians five says to the husband, "Love your wife as Christ has loved the church." So Christ is the head of the church. So the man is the head of the home. That he's the head of the marriage. Um, so let's let's sort of dive into those dynamics. What does leadership look like for the man in the home first? Well, he is to be, uh, like you said, like he's been the head of his home. It means he is leading his wife and his children in every sense of the word. Um, for instance, when we do family worship at our house, like I'm the one sitting down with scripture and reading it and doing, not doing, not, not sitting down and preaching it, um, but as far as, <laughs> as far as going through it, man, y'all just got a real Woo! experience of, of, of a Jordan Nelson sneeze. Uh, thankfully, there was only one this time. They usually come in three. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, and now, Grant, I, I will. So you're sitting you. over there. Hey, Jess, you can't say anything right now in the no. home about the word. No, that's not how silence. You, that is, silence. No, I speak not. when I speak. You deli- This is not the context of, of the Sabbath and women preaching. It's not, okay, it's not that context. But um, no, because I mean, like, we do have time where Jessica talks about you know, like. How does this verse apply to our lives? Yeah. And, you know, but, but I'm the one leading that. Yeah. You know, and I ask Jessica to reflect on that. And I ask her, like, you know, how can we, how can we apply Ephesians 5, you know, for the role of the female in the house? Yeah. You know, and so with, with how she raises our daughter and how she tends to our home when I'm here at work, you know. And so there are different ways about that. Um, Cody, how, how, how does it iron itself out with you and your wife? Yeah, so for us, it um, aside from spiritual leadership, um, there's also the um, reality that you're also the physical leader of your home, yeah. right? In regards to you are the one leading, right, in kind of vision and dreaming right. for your household for the future. And so what that looks like for Emily and I is that um, we have these conver- we have conversations about what do we desire for the future, um, and we kind of both speak our peace but at the end of the day Emily has this heart of I'm going to submit to the vision that Cody is laying out knowing that I desire to lead out not in a way of I merely just want to get my way right right or I just merely want to see my vision come to fruition but I want to do what is best for both of us Emily and I in a way that we both um, glorify God in the way that he's gifted us as uniquely right men and women right. um, in the home and in the world. And that's a common misconception too with egalitarians is they see submission as a bad thing. But in the context of a Christian household, submissiveness of a wife is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, there is 
so much to say about a husband who is leading his household well in Christ and a wife who is being submissive to her husband in that. And there's a lot to say about that in the local church as well. Submission happens all the time. We're always submitting to something. Right. So whether you're the elders of the church, you're submitting to the entire body. Yeah. Um, whether you're the body of the church, you're submitting to the deacons and the elders and their leadership. Yeah. So submission is never a bad thing. Right. Rather, yeah. it's a, it's a sign of humility, which is a sign of godliness. Yes, and I would say another misconception that egalitarians have is they equate the word um, submission with uh, like with authoritarian yeah. uh, dogmas, um, thinking that like the husband is just like laying the hammer down and the wife is just yeah. her left in the corner saying yes, dear, whatever you want. And yeah. it's like that's not the case. Like like when it yeah. comes to a decision, like for instance, uh, back when I was a I was a public educator for three years out of college, and uh, I was a teacher for the last year. Or uh, the last year I was a teacher, my wife and I were married, and like we sat down and had an like a real discussion about me taking this job at Morningview, you know, and and like she got to share her opinion in that, yeah. you know, like because because there were like things that were like, well, if we take this, then maybe this will happen, you know, and then um, with with Eleanor being born and all that, um, yeah. and so her opinion was heard, yeah, you know, and then we both came to the agreement of yeah, let's take this job. You know, but it, and if Jessica had said, "Trey, I just don't feel comfortable with that," and I had taken the time to properly pray and think about it, and I had come out on the end of saying, "I really do think it would be best for our family if I took this job," yeah. she would have humbly submitted to that. Yeah. And and so, I mean, it doesn't like, yeah. So let's so let's switch gears from the home to the local church. What does biblical manhood look like in the local body? Yeah, so it looks like um, men leading out in particularly the offices of the church right so what are those offices uh elder and deacon right okay and so of course depending on how you think whether or not women can be deacons or not also that's kind of equivalent to that discussion but but primarily with pastors so we'll kind of stick with that pastors and elders are the spiritual leaders of the local church right but like you said still submitting right to the at the end of the day, like even the authority of the congregation, because we as Baptists are congregationalists, right? right. So the, the the gathered body has the authority to move the direction of the church. That's right. right. And so, um, so there's this, right, kind of both sides of the coin deal where the congregation, like you said, is submitting to elders, while at the same time elders are listening and seeking to submit to the congregation as well. And so, yeah. um, so men... Right, as we see in First Timothy three, are to be are alone to be elders, right? And it's even been helpfully said recently in regards to all the complementarian debate. Right, does that does not mean that all men are to be elders, right? Sure. But rather, qualified it's men. only qualified men right. who are to be pastors of local churches, and it's their job, their role in that office, to um, to feed um, the sheep in that local congregation. Um, through the teaching of the word um, and through kind of guiding the body through all the means of grace that God has given us. So I think I think categorically, if we if we sort of squash everything down, we see leadership happening through protecting, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. through providing. Yep. We see leadership even in prayer in the household. You mm-hmm. see that the man is leading out and spiritually providing for his wife. In terms of prayer, in terms of 
getting on his knees before God, mm-hmm. casting himself before the Lord, asking for uh, blessing, asking for provision, asking for his glory to be known. Mm-hmm. Um, you see in the church leadership happening through teaching of God's word um, uh, by men, preaching of God's word. You see in the local body, uh, whether you think about deacons as, uh, which here at our body, it's a male-only role, and that's how we see it. Um, we see men being the primary people who serve. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also an element of service that men naturally should be inclined to do, and that's where you should be leading out at. We should be mm-hmm. constantly men who are willing to serve, willing to provide, protect, serve, teach, pray. Uh, we're leading out in these categories and we're saying, hey, this is what we're doing. Follow. Um, so men should be leaders. Uh, I think men also, in terms of um, just the natural bent of their lifestyles, should be <clears throat> characterized by holiness. Um, men, godly men, biblical manhood, uh, they should be characterized by holiness. Um, so when, when other younger men look up to them, they see a holy man. When other, uh, younger women and other women in the church, they see holiness being, um, persuade, being, um, performed is not the word I'm looking for. Just that's who they are. They're, they're a holy man. I think of a couple men in our church, even in our church that we just, we look out and we say, that's a holy man. Mm-hmm. The way they love their wives, the way they love their church, the way they uh, lay their life down for other men and women in the church, that's a holy guy. You just mm-hmm. see uh, a barrier of holiness. And that's what manhood ultimately is the fruition of what you're trying to get to, yeah. Um, yeah. is being a holy man before the Lord. Yeah, and I would even say even in the con- in the context of the home as well, that you know you have providing, protecting. I would say there's a third P in there, which is pursuing. Yeah. Um, just like Christ is always pursuing his bride. Like just because you found a woman who That's who right. who uh, who married you doesn't mean your work is done. Yeah. Doesn't mean you can wash your hands and Lord. say and they're, they're there. Your, and I, your, your she's work there. actually gets harder. Yeah. <laughs> and like so I mean like like it, yeah, if you thought just the dating world was 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 where your pursuing happens, no. Even more so when you have that problem. I'm still trying to figure out the dating world. It'll, you'll, you'll get it, buddy. Okay. The, um but <laughs> but I mean like no, I mean like I'm still always well I'm wanting to and that's not 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 mean I'm always doing it perfectly by no means but constantly pursuing my wife constantly wanting to show her the love of Christ and how he has loved his bride and is still loving his bride that's good that's good any other thoughts Garrett you got anything I think I think it was even what just what Trey just said and with the distinction he made earlier about the kind of authoritarian uh, mindset I think that's a that's an important distinction to make uh, because, like the Bible, the Bible doesn't say husbands make your wives submit. Like it says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. So, like, the attitude in the heart should not be one of like wanting your wife to submit to you because like you're in the position of authority. But I think it's important. Like it's a heart of service because like even Christ Himself said, "I came not to be served, but to serve." So mm-hmm. I think the whole lifestyle and mindset should be one of just wanting to serve 
other people and especially your wife. Yeah. Good yeah. word, brother. One of, one of the benedictions I've been um, uh, reading after my sermon on uh, Sunday nights, I've been talking about love and what love does, but it's from uh, 1 Corinthians 16, and it's just so sweet. But it says something in the midst of this verse that's just really, I've always found like it's strange that Paul put it here, but uh, I really love it. And it says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. And I, I just, that act like men, men are courageous, men are brave, men, men, speak when nobody else is willing to speak men listen in order to hear truth men are humble yeah uh, that act like men yeah. uh is it's just such a good like yeah. uh exhortation yeah like and like everybody gets what that's about yeah and it's helpful to say even in regards to that it's not that like it's not even too that like women can't be courageous and bold and right. speak out, but it's that men are seen in scripture to be leading out in that. That's right. Mm. Right. And so you want to think about a story like uh, Barack and Deborah in Judges, right? People want to use that as kind of a justification for um, women pastors, right. right? Or kind of whatever spiritual leadership looks like. Or you there. could be like, uh, or you could be like, what's the, uh, McKissick who says, uh, who made his, uh, his, uh, Justification for women pastors off of Jezebel. Remember that? Well, he wasn't trying to make the case. So, I, so what Jordan is referencing sorry. is a debate that happened at the SBC, the Founders Conference. There's Dwight McKissick, who he does not. It's fascinating. He does not think women should be pastors, yeah. but he but he separates the the office and the function and says that women can though they cannot be pastors can can preach in the pulpit right. and he tried to use Jezebel as, as, a, as, as an example yeah. and it was fascinating because so, it was was not a good argument yeah so anyway so using that Sorry. story though right so Deborah obviously had the ability to in some ways be a warrior right, right. she she did it right right but the flow of the of the narrative though is that the reason why she had to do that was because Barack was a failure yeah and he would disobey the Lord when the Lord told him to go up and make war with the uh, Canaanite peoples that's a good point yeah and so 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 when we talk about the different even the difference between men and women it's not as much that women have lesser giftings right the spirit gives this same gifts right to men and women like women have the spiritual gift of teaching that they use in their own natural and distinct ways right and men have the gifts of teaching they use in natural distinct ways so they're both given equal giftings right but they are to use those giftings in right. ways that are natural to them as a yeah. man and as a woman yeah. and Brock and Deborah and is, is an example of when that breaks down you have the woman having to do what the man should have done yeah and she did it well, right? Yeah. So she 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 went ham on what Sisera and ham. Temple, right? Yeah. But and she led the Lord's army valiantly, but that was ultimately not her job, right? Right. And it's right. yeah, and like you said, it's it's how it's how it, they are equal giftings, but it's how they flush themselves out. So like yeah. we see women like, for instance, like Jen Wilkin and Rachel Jankovic and uh, um, who are some other ones I'm thinking of, uh, Trilla Nubel. Um, who are 
brilliant women who mm-hmm. are who who could be very capable to teach on a on a Sunday morning in the pulpit, yeah. but understand that that is a role for a pastor, which is taken by a male, yeah. a qualified man. So, to let's, let's let's sort of come to a conclusion here and wrap everything up. So, if you can give in fifteen to thirty seconds. Uh, what a biblical man looks like in your eyes, what would you say? I would say a biblical man is a man who is uh, godly, who is humble, who is tender, who is a protector um, of the vulnerable and those put under their care. Um, And he is a leader. He's not passive, um, but he is a leader who is... Um, setting forth that example of um, of love and of care that we see in Ephesians 5, as Garrett mentioned. I will amen, Cody, and I will use the rest of my 15 seconds to tell you to please email us at bmbt at 1680 or bmbt1689 at gmail.com. We actually got a couple of emails last week, and we'll, we'll read we, them next but, week. But we want, we want someone other than Hunter Bond. <laughs> Hunter, we love you. We love you, Hunter. And he had a really good question, and I will. I forgot to bring my laptop, so we'll, 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 we'll read, I'll read it next week. He's but, trying um, to stump us. But a biblical man is Jesus. Go ahead. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's... Uh, uh, we should look at biblical manhood as something that, especially if you're a man listening, that of something that we should pursue mm-hmm. uh, thoroughly. And we should pursue those characteristics that Cody just mentioned. And, and we should not be someone who is actively pursuing the world. Rather, we should be pursuing righteousness. Amen. Um, yeah. yeah, so to end this off, we, we thank you for listening to Big Men Big Theology. Email us at BM. BT1689 at gmail.com. We look forward from hearing from you guys. Uh, uh, Yeah, we'll probably put some resources in the show notes too. So thanks.